Welcome to Peer Pressure. My name is Diane. And my guests today are Denise Mercedes and Nick Martin of New York Stimulators. Old school. Influential band. And they've got a great playlist. Some incredible stories, and I hope you do want to listen to the whole thing. Thanks to Lita Martinez for editing the podcast, and to Liz Berg for all the other podcast duties. We are WFMU. Please stay tuned. I would like to welcome my guests, Nick and Denise. Hello. Greetings. Hello. Afternoon. Good afternoon. (laughs) So, um... My guests are Denise Mercedes and Nick Martin of The Stimulators. And it's, it's been a while since The Stimulators. Yeah, and just a little. Just, just a little. So can you, do you want to give us a, a, a quick synopsis of what was, uh, of how The Stimulators started? Or, or especially you, Denise, where you were musically at the time and what you wanted to, uh, to accomplish by starting the band? Well, I had been... Playing guitar, kind of starting out playing rock, um, playing already in a couple of bands, trying to get some chops and some experience. Luckily, I knew a lot of different people from music, people who were session players and people in bands. I spent a lot of time going to see bands and um, was 100% immersed in rock. And then um, I was very fortunate to have a good friend who worked for the record company that managed, or that would, did the Damned album, Damn, Damn, Damn. I oh, forgot wow. what a rough, not rough trade. Stiff. Stiff. Stiff, Stiff, yeah. Right. So uh, she said, oh, this band from England is coming. We got to go see them. We have these pies, because their album oh, covered, right, they're sure. covered with pies. She yeah, says, yeah. we're going to bring them the pies, and they're probably going to throw it all over themselves. I'm like, oh, my God, I hope they don't throw it at us. So we <laughs> went down to CBGB's to the first Damn show. And um, literally, the second they started to play, my life changed. Mm. When I saw the dam bust out, that's it. I went insane for punk rock. That was the moment my musical direction and life, I felt like, this is it. This is what I want to be doing. Because coming from a place of listening to these very accomplished musicians, it's like, Punk gave the freedom of feeling like you don't have to be Jimi Hendrix in mm-hmm. order to get out there. I saw that freedom. I saw that creativity, all that looseness, all that attitude. And um, then um, I became friends with Rat Scabies, and I was playing with somebody and held up the phone to him going, here, listen to me play. And then a few months, or I don't know when exactly later, but he got in touch with me and said, come to England. I'm not with the damned. I'm starting another band. I want you to be the guitarist. So I went over there. Wow. We did some gigs. Didn't really work out, but I met a lot of people. Um, a lot of the names, the big names of the punk world, the British bands, you know, got to hang out with some of these folks, came back and then started the stimulators right away. Just very energized by all of what I had seen and felt. And um, I just loved the the total, I guess you could say, innocence of it because it was. Mm-hmm. People just saying, 
I want to play. I don't care. I never touch things. I'm just going to go do it or, you know, I have this idea. So that really stimulated me Mm -hmm. as opposed to just trying to do some thing with like lights coming out and smoke bombs. Yeah. It was the total opposite of that. Mm -hmm. And I was going to ask you about the name of the band. The name Stimulators came from acupuncture because I had hurt my hand and had, from playing guitar, um, not tendonitis, but something like that. And somebody finally said, go see an acupuncturist. And uh, this very old Chinese man treated me and cured me. And the name of the little needles they stuck in you were e-stimulators. And I just thought, wow, that got me going. Mm. (laughs) Everybody thinks it's a sex name. Like, oh, the stimulators, you know, (laughs) it's like, go to the sex store. But (laughs) it actually was the little needles from acupuncture. Oh, neat. Oh. Very cool. So, <laughs> very organic, very yeah, clean people, very clean. That's okay. <laughs> and, you know, and, and probably very few people know that. No, I'm sure nobody knows that. Yeah. But that's where it came from. Yeah. And, and so what was it like when you came back here, uh, when you came back to the to the States from England? I what was going on? I spent three months there. Mm-hmm. Um, Max's, um, there were people, lots of, I guess, different bands playing i don't remember who they all were until i got actively really involved with the stimulators but um it seemed like there was a pause like nothing was really happening there were things to see but it wasn't like oh my god um when i began the stimulators and as soon as we started playing literally from our first gig just word spread like wildfire and a very intense energy began to form around us, which was nice. Um, We had many different players, not many, but a few different players, but basically it was a woman named Anne on bass, me, Patrick Mack, who was a wonderful, God rest his soul, my best friend, I miss him every day of my life. Uh, We found him by going to Max's. We needed a singer. We had gotten a gig lined up at a place called Rock Bottom on 8th Street, but we didn't have a singer. Mm. So we said, we better go find somebody. So we went to Max's, saw a guy that looked cute and said, hey, do you sing? He goes, no. I said, do you want to? He goes, yeah. (laughs) So we said, great, you know. (laughs) Turned out he was an awesome lyricist and writer, and we spent, he and I collaborated on basically what was the stimulators catalog of songs mm-hmm. so um it was very exciting so so um so you're saying pretty much i mean there 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 were pockets of things going on but there wasn't really there was a no scene, scene yeah. that I, I mean yeah. we came after that whole television remote that was not at least in my world, it wasn't really happening. I don't know if those people were still out playing, but we were after all of that had happened. Okay. I don't know how long after, but that wasn't our our world mm-hmm. because yeah, Dead Boys and Ramones and, and Thunders and and everybody was still still out there and like Walter and Blessed and things like that. But, but it there was some, some, it was she's right. There was, there was a sort of not a pause or, or a drop, but there there was things going on. But it was sort of moving a little bit. It was the calm before the storm. Yeah, right. <laughs> one of them. Exactly. One of them. Yeah, one yeah. of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, and then and and then of course you point to a lot of those um, bands like Television and and the Heartbreakers and that kind of thing did sort of they they 
changed around and sort of had a second, sort of a second chance band, and and that mm-hmm. and and I do remember a whole lot of that kind of going on, like oh, Cheetahs with this band now, mm-hmm. and you know that kind mm-hmm. of kind of thing. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's how we had Johnny Blitz come in for a little while too, because he was kind of floating around, um, you know, but. Then, you know, things began to mobilize. We started gigging. People everywhere, every club wanted us. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had a very unique experience, you know, with our lineup. And people loved the music. And it was loud. It was in your face. It had two wild girls, you know, playing full speed. And uh, then, of course, we got Harley in. And that was and the wild turning child. point when you had an 11, 12-year-old punk kid drummer. That meant every kid in New York City had to come and see this for themselves. Oh. And then we now had, I, I could honestly say, hundreds of people showing up at gigs, many of them underage. And that kind of led to, uh, it certainly helped pave the way for the all-ages show because so many people would show up to see us and many of them couldn't get in. I think Luke was what Donald was was counting our our manager at at the time was counting at, at what one of the shows I think might have been tracks uptown I think he counted 45 people young kids he snuck into the back or something oh. like that just just <laughs> for funny decided to count that night but <laughs> was there ever an instance where you couldn't play a show because of Harley's no, age never never everybody wanted us because of him mm-hmm. yeah there was never a problem the bouncers at Max's tried to throw Pat out one night because he ended up in the audience and they confused him for a, an unruly audience member. So they grabbed him and <laughs> headed towards the door and <laughs> he was like, oh, wait, wait. Was, oh, oh, okay. And they let him go back to the stage and finish the song. And oh, with Max's, too, it was interesting because when we began playing there, you know, fairly regularly and became popular, people were still like – you know, hardcore slamming didn't exist. There was no such thing going on. But people were jumping around, I guess, pogoing or just like a yeah. lot of movement, a lot of energy coming out from the audience. And tables were getting broken, chairs. So whenever the stimulators played, Max's had to take out all the furniture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I kind of always think that's a little badge of honor. You know, it's yeah. like, oh, the stimulators are coming. Get everything out of here, you know. <laughs> so that's a really fond memory for me. The, the trail of destruction. Well, yeah, yeah, nobody was doing it to be, you know, yeah. ag- aggressive. It's just stuff will get broken, you know. Well, sure, and bands yeah. get reputations, you know, through by club owners about their fans. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, you know, uh, yeah, they're they're mature or they're fine to deal with, mm-hmm. except that their fans are going to break everything yeah, in the well, place. That, <laughs> yeah, that's sort of exactly well, they, what they began. Weren't out, weren't out to break everything in the place. They just wanted some room to move. Yeah. Right. So people scoot all the chairs back and they'd end up in a big pile in the corner or something like that. Right. But uh, weren't smashing stuff for the yeah, sake of smashing Yeah, they were not it. coming in to break things, exactly. It was just a high-energy time. Mm-hmm. It must have been amazing to be in the middle of that. And, and you know, and I, and I don't really hear that much um, about the stimulators on a level of the fact that there's two women in the band. Right. And, and you're, you know, and, and for the listeners here, I really just met Denise just this moment pretty mm-hmm. much. And, you know, you are... You're a lifer rocker. I That's, am. you know, mm-hmm. and and it may not have ever been a question for you in terms of like, oh, well, I'm a woman who plays guitar because women who are in music don't 
question that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I see the stimulators as getting more credit for being who they were at the time and almost ignoring the fact that there were two women in the band, which is phenomenal for the time. And really. it was a really important part of who we were because we had not only the two women, the child, but the incredible singer who was also gay and really had to hide it because it was dangerous at that time. And it might still even be today, you know, I don't Mm. know. But we were such an eclectic group of people putting all, everything we had into this project done with such fun and earnestness and love that I think it really was contagious. It wasn't like today, there's things I find kind of annoying um, the way you know, everybody and their brother and grandmother has a band. It's like this school of rock. There's this, there's 20 million lessons. There's right. In those days, it was hard to be a band. It was really hard. There was no, no clear path. Like you have to do this and you have to do that. And this, you learned as you went. You took a lot of risks. We did it in a dangerous time, in a dangerous place, the Lower East Side, with no money at all. Hitchhiking to gigs sometimes with equipment. Um, wow. <laughs> you know, me and Ann would stand out there looking all rock, you know, mini skirts and high boots and see a truck. And then somebody'd stop and out would come the rest of the band with all the amps and the guitars. <laughs> and, you, know, uh, you know, we had some pretty crazy times. That doesn't happen today. Yeah. You know, today it's like... It's a, it's more of a business, and people get a plan, and they have an album out before they even have their full lineup. You know, it was, it was, to me, I'm so glad I lived that time in that way. It made me better. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's many people that are so glad that you lived that that time too. You know, I mean, there's a lot of people. I've been running this program, mm-hmm. this this interview section, for like a year and a half now, and in the last in that period of time, four of my guests played Loud Fast Rules as an influential, mm-hmm. you know, piece. Like when it's time and you guys will be spinning some tunes mm-hmm. in a little bit. But, um, you know, uh, Dave Scott from Adrenaline OD, Thanks. you know, had a lot to say about mm-hmm. you guys. Ralphie G from The Mob, um, The Violators, mm-hmm. um, and Steve Zing, who was in Morning Noise and who's now, you know, with Danzig and played wow. the Sam Hain, mm-hmm. all said the stimulators really made a big difference. We did. You know, for I them. believe that. And Loud Fast Rules was, uh, according to one article, we got very little press. I mean, we were kind of, we didn't have big management. We had no money behind us and all of this. But through word of mouth is that there was a really nice article that called Loud Fast Rules the battle cry of the punk movement. Like once people heard that, that's what got people, that was the slogan Mm -hmm. that everybody could rally behind because it really meant something. It was the turning, turning the corner. And we're very happy that we wrote that song and love it, you know. It's nice that I wrote that on the back of my jacket entirely by accident. And (laughs) it came from Nick. How oh, okay. loud yeah, so, rules. Well, and what does the phrase mean? Because a lot of people make it mean something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so how does it, like, the phrase loud, fast rules? How did you well, that, that was just the, the, uh, the uh, since I'd been around music, you know, all my life, one, one way or another, being dragged to shows by my folks or, you know, relatives in music or being, 
coming out to visit my dad in New York, you know, for vacations and things like that. And and he and he was hanging out at Max's. He was closing Max's every night because oh. that was his hang. That that was his local oh, at, wow. at the time. Mm-hmm. And so he would, they would take me there for dinner, and I'd I'd have my dinner, and I'd, I'd fall asleep in the booth, you know. And they'd stay up stay up till drinking until it closed, you know, with all the all his artist friends. And then there'd be these these very tall, fabulously dressed, long, long-haired people in trench coats and sequins and whatnot watching around, and I'd notice them every once in a while, and that was, I'm sure that was all the, the Warhol and the dolls happening upstairs, and so I just ended up there entirely by accident. But listening to, you know, all different types of music and just getting progressively, you know, more, more and more energized as, as you would sneak on a little something on the AM radio before I discovered the FM radio. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd hear like Grand Funk Locomotion or something, and it's just like bigger and beefier than the next thing. And, and then just finding just progressively louder and faster. Not necessarily louder, because, I mean, I mean, the Who broke the records <laughs> way back when. But, and, but they, they weren't playing incredibly fast or anything. They did more than enough way too fabulous stuff. But it just got progressively more, more and more... You know, a little more intense than the Ramones record, which isn't fast, but yeah, you know, they got that Ramones record, and that was that was that. And there was also three or four radio stations in California that were doing punk shows at at the time, mm-hmm. and so that was I I would pick up a little bit here, come out here, hear a little bit of it, and then go back there and hear a little bit of it, and just and I could sort of keep track, and I was making lists and listening to radio at like you know midnight till four in the morning on school nights, you know the usual. Like everybody else, but it was just that was the next logical step, you know. And so, so, so louder and faster was more interesting to me. And so, and then somewhere the rules, I think that probably came over from from England, as as in, in ruling and all that business. But mm-hmm. that's sort of and how it all. He walked in with that jacket one day, and me and Patrick are like, "Oh my God, loud fast rules!" That's God, we got to do something. I think it, didn't you already have you know, one, a bunch of the words or something like we, that, we, and, and just didn't it hadn't had a title for just, it or something. That was it. That was the like a light bulb moment seeing that that phrase. And you know, it's funny because it did have a lot of impact. Rules became attached to everything, but even in India, there was a loud, fast rules festival. Really, believe it or not, a, a, a rock festival that went on for quite some time. A lot of people appropriated that and just felt they could relate to. Mm-hmm what it meant to them. It might mean something different to... Well, it did become a term and a phrase yeah. of the times, for mm-hmm. sure. Definitely. And that's what I wanted to point to. And I was just wondering what the actual origin of it was and if it mm-hmm. was, you know, like the, the Ramones or the Dickies mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like really fast and really loud kind of thing. No. Um, because it became, I mean, it's sort of, it's a phrase on its own yes. in mm-hmm. the way that like, you know, yeah, it, characters it, and movies It was, it was just a phrase that, that formed up in my head. And I might have I might have put on uh, fast loud rules the, the first the first thing that I wrote on on a not on the jacket but on something I pinned to the back of the jacket. I can't remember and then if I rearranged it or not. I can't remember exactly unfortunately. I'm sorry folks. But that that jacket <laughs> became It's been thirty years, it's okay. Also, you know, the iconic punk rock jacket of like the New York well, punk scene. Mm-hmm. You know, one of was, one of many, but that's yeah. that was one. Where where is that jacket now? It was stolen. Hmm. <laughs> so we don't know. So, somebody, somebody has out it. There, somebody, yeah, somebody out there knows. If, if, you know, if give you, it if back you to it, Nick. Give it back. <laughs> if you're not wearing it, give it back. Right, exactly. So, um, did you say that you lived on the West Coast also, or? Oh or? yeah, I pretty much grew up mostly on the West Coast. Oh okay. In, in the Central Coast area. Mm-hmm. And there is a legend has it that Joan Baez is your aunt. Is that true? It's entirely true. Oh, okay. It's no longer a legend. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and so that's what I meant by it be being dragged to shows. You know, sure. I, 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 was, I was dragged to Monterey Pop. 
<laughs> you know, and and one one <laughs> one, one, one of the one of the buttons that that I, I kind of regret losing was was my little button that they said here take put this on your jacket and you this this means you can go anywhere. So if you have to find this, you can go look anywhere you want. Mm-hmm. You know, so and so they just you know gave me this little button and then that was my all access to the Monterey Pop. And wow. so I got to run around being what what was six or seven at the time. I was going to ask, yeah. And so and just just run just running around circles and I'd look up and there'd be somebody playing and 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 Joni came up and did I sat, I sat down and watched her set, but I was mm. just running around watching all this shenanigans going on. It's a good show, <laughs> three three days of it if I remember right. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was swinging on the swing sets behind the auditorium, and I heard what sounded like because I saw the back of the auditorium. I heard what sounded like a demolition derby. And I looked up, and there's all this smoke coming up through the lights because there, there was some colored lights on the back. Of, I could see off the back, and there's all this smoke coming up. So, and I stopped swinging. It distracted me. It distracted <laughs> me from my swinging. Mm. And I looked, and I thought, what the hell's going on there? And then I realized in retrospect, it was either Hendrix or The Who. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I'm nice. not sure. I'm not sure who it was. Oh, okay. But it was, but it was so either. So you had to go back and look yeah. at the, like, the performance list mm-hmm. or something. But they were, they, were the, they were both on the same night, and they were both uh, making car crash noises. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm assuming that was one of the two. But, <laughs> well, so, but so that's just, just more you know, bouncing around music. And then I end up over here and mm-hmm. end up going mm-hmm. back upstairs later, years later, to, to the, my dad's old hang. And then that's where we ended up playing. Right. And so around and around it goes. So when you say you were dragged to gigs, I mean, how, oh, no. how much of it was kicking and screaming? And how <laughs> no, much of it no, was no. It's yeah. like, oh, we're, we're, yeah. go, we're going. We're going to a party. It's like, okay. Right, you know, and yeah. maybe maybe I'll end up sleeping in the car when I when I pass out, or or, or whatever, or you know, in the, you know, in the coat pile somewhere, or whatever it is, or or stay with the babysitter. But he's like, oh, we're going to a party, and there'd be lots of happy people there, and you're taking care of the kids, and yeah, not do an you, issue. Do you get how amazing that is? Huh? <laughs> well, it's <laughs> it's just in some awesome. ways, in some ways it is, in some ways it should right. be the norm. Yeah, and, and in many places it is, mm-hmm. and and so it's just a it's a well, I was lucky to be there at that time. Yeah, most definitely. Well, and it's just you know being being able to being encouraged and having music as a positive force in your life as growing up. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's second nature for you, and you mm-hmm. know, really, it's like I talk to a lot of people, and sometimes it's really a fight to even you know get music or music education or yeah. whatever you know. And mm-hmm. but but it sounds like for the stimulators, the fight was more about being abandoned in New York. Yeah. And well, my father was a music. Mm-hmm. Um, a f- flautist and pianist, so I grew up t- again totally around music. My mm-hmm. parents came to every show I ever played, no matter oh, wow. where it was. Um, God rest their souls, too. You know what I wanted to mention was some of the other bands that were our contemporaries who were very important to us, which was mm-hmm. the Mad, mm-hmm. um, who David Hahn, the drummer, he's now gone from this world a long time. Um, they were so innovative. They were so incredible. Peter Crowley was a true genius of the time, allowing all of us crazy people to come together and do our thing. Cause right, I, to play Max's, yeah. You know, we, we, they were a very big Max's band. And then Pure Hell were our contemporaries. They were the first that we knew of all black rock mm-hmm. band. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there was, a li- of course, the Cramps. We were very good friends with the Cramps. So it was a very exciting time of the local people. There are others to the blessed. And all these folks would be in the, in the same room at the same time some nights. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it wasn't like, oh, I can't go there. It's a rockabilly club. You yeah. Know, it's like, no, no. It's every, everybody just went, went wherever they went, and that was not, n- there were no issues. Right. Well, for, th- for the most part. Yeah, and I think because at that time, it was more about w- doing what you were doing and, and expressing yourselves, yeah. really, mm-hmm. and being in that same boat 
at the level your bands were at and not mm-hmm. creating well, genres and well, divisions. That, that, that was one, one quote that at some, somebody said at, at some point was when, when all the bands looked different and sounded different, but they were all called punk bands. Even the you bad know, because, brains, because they didn't no, know nobody what knew what was. nobody yeah. knew what was going on. Yeah. You know, so when the bad brains rolled into town, we met them at a, I'm positive it was their first New York gig. Nick came over and said, "Look, there's this band from DC. I, we we got to go see them." Mm-hmm. We ran over somewhere, maybe the Electric Circus, it's Tier Three, Tier Three. I don't, mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not sure where it was. Almost no people. They were. I'd never seen anything like it. They weren't the bad brains we know today, like all polished and refined, but Mm -hmm. they were doing something that, like, we had never seen. We loved it. We just couldn't, like, well, this works because it's so different, and these guys are all, like, they're really doing something very unusual, very original. We became very good friends, and because the stims were popular, we got to help expose them to the New York audience that we had it was our pleasure it was our honor because they instantly just the moment after they hit it was like a bomb going off um so we're glad to have been a part of this whole movement coming up you know just an amazing yeah. time for yeah, they, they, they oh, were yeah. they were the next logical step mm-hmm. we were the cornerstone you know, as harley said once like we, we of our scene you know we were sitting down okay it's louder it's faster it's you know it's mixed up it's got girls kids and then comes this yeah oh and, and you know. one one quick comment just on on this aside from the fact that there were two girls in the band i mean that that was a, a, a huge point in one one way or the other you know and but not to mention they could also really really play right you know, so there's a lot there's oh, a lot yeah. there's a lot of bands with yeah. girls in them out there and they're not exactly aggressive players, mm-hmm. and not not that you know. And didn't you sort of go out there to be aggressive or anything like that? But just they hey, made I'd made rank it to oh, fourteen. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know, but but, you're, but you're, you're not out there hitting people in the no. head with, you're, with the guitar. But but there was there was some some actual you know fine musical force happening there. It wasn't it wasn't just right. it that wasn't was just vo- wasn't just volume too. or production yeah, or, or, or any tricks. Yeah. It was just. Uh, amps and volume. Yeah, there, know, were, there was chops and there and, was yeah and talent. People loved yeah. it for and the a, music. Yeah. Well, and a lot of hard work and yeah. and what you you know what you point to in the the with the makeup of the band is really just like you're from New York. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, you know, women, children, you know, gay, straight, whatever. Right, look, right. Like mm-hmm. a perfect New York cross section. Exactly. Like you are really like the. If the streets of New York had to have a band, right. that's who you know. Mm-hmm. That's who it would be. Yeah. So that's pretty amazing. So um, I have a lot of individual questions. I think, um, wow, we've been talking for quite a oh, while. Uh-oh. Um, so you're here to be guest DJs also. Right. So why don't we play a few songs? Um, and um, why don't you tell me what you want to play first and tell me why? What's your first song going to be? Well, I think we, we talked about it a little bit, but um, Link Ray's Rumble. Okay. Yeah, everybody's heard it a million times, but... Link and the Raymen made this noise before or at the same time as people we might not have heard about, but they made noise that changed the world. They were the For first to use distortion. He was the first to mm-hmm. use distortion. And he's not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame yet. Power chords. Which is not good. Know, all of that. And so they, they, they were one of the new pages in the book. And he's gotten a lot of recognition in small circles, but not... No. People who know know, but 
Mm-hmm. And also, but, but, it's said about the song Rumble that it was so feared in its day. DJs, many would not play it because they thought it was so, it would stir such violence, and that many a roadhouse got trashed every time it came on mm-hmm. the jukebox. People wow. would have like enough beer in them and just go like, ah, Rumble! You know? Because, I mean, so people people historic. knew what people knew what a rumble was. I mean that that was that <laughs> was uh, what, what was, was going on at the time. But this this was the soundtrack for it. And mm. the, the, uh, there's one of the stories that I read that the Raymen would walk on stage and take their pistols out and put them on top of their amplifiers, <laughs> and, and and then proceed to play. You know, and so it was a gi- it was a given that you know well you know you can mess around but only so far. And right. I'll end it with this. I was very lucky to meet Link Ray before he died mm. uh, in front of CBs with my sister Rose and we got to talking. He actually had me come up and play on stage with him there. So that's definitely a highlight of my life. Wow. That I got to not only meet but play on stage with Link Ray. So wow. I, I want to keep his memory going because he is that important in rock and roll. Absolutely. Not to mention Native American. And Native American, yeah. So there we go. All right. So my guests are Denise Mercedes and Nick Martin of The Stimulators. The first track of their guest DJ set is Rumble by Link Ray. And we shall return. Stay tuned. semi-technical difficulties going on. Uh, One of them is my speech. So we're back with Denise and Nick. Hello. So, um, do you have an Iggy Pop? But aside from the fact that there's some crazy folks living out there in the Midwest that did a, a lot of very bizarre stuff before it even got to New York, and some of them just ended up moving to New York. Right. And after after doing w- wonderful things in their home areas, but like sort of, sort of like Sabbath, you know, they worked in the factories and they played the music that they heard in the factories and it turned into rock and roll. But uh, just just for fun, you know, there was Link Ray that started it and then and then there was what the, the Stooges did with it later. Mhm. And but just one aside is uh Pat was a huge Iggy fan. That was our singer and our, our yes. late singer. And he but he was just Sometimes he'd be a, li- a little too much, but other times he'd be perfectly happy to dive headfirst into a non-existent crowd, you know, <laughs> off, off the stage or, or climb up in the rigging and, he did and, a lot and, of and sh- shimmy, and across, shimmy yeah. across in the rig and then drop 12 feet out, out of the, the, the ceiling at Irving Plaza directly behind the microphone and start the song. It just 
where for wh- where'd he come from? Mm-hmm. And but he was just game for just about anything. And Giggy and so <laughs> and <laughs> well, mm-hmm. Iggy was a huge influence and sort of I would think you know the proto punk. Yeah, that, that wasn't that song put put out in that written written. I don't know if they if they put it out before, but it was basically they're playing that song in, in se- 1970 or 72. Yeah. As far as loud fast rules goes, who 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 was louder faster first? You know that that song is one of the best songs in the entire world, mm-hmm. with a, 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 a proud rock machine making it mm-hmm. at the time when when the, when the band was in love with each other and what they were doing, and you can just hear it. Yeah. The same same with the loud fast rules single that the band was in love with each other at their at their at, a, at, at one their of their peak. good points, and mm-hmm. you you can feel it coming out across the speakers. Oh yeah, and, and so mm-hmm. that's just another. I was lucky to meet Iggy the night before I left for London to play with Rhett. And oh, wow. uh, it was at a party, a loft party somewhere, and I saw a guitar in the corner. And I asked the woman whose apartment it was, like, ooh, can I play that guitar? And she went, no, because I, I had seen Iggy Pop walk in. And <laughs> I said, mm, mm. So was, I picked up that guitar, turned it up as loud as it could, and started playing, I want to be your dog. And me and Iggy had a performance for the party oh wow and that was another great moment of my life he didn't expect it i mean he just hey i'm going to a party you know and here's this crazy rock girl like i want to be your dog you know that so i've always uh held that great that great memory and we do love the stooges so they were an influence on the stimulators for sure mm-hmm. oh yeah i uh, they were an influence on yeah. on everybody everybody mm-hmm. yeah. everybody mm-hmm. everybody yes and um, what was your tie-in to Allen Ginsberg? He was a very good friend. I spent a lot of time with him upstate uh, at his farm. He had a beautiful farm up there that sort of became a vegetarian. Oh, wow. Being around all these beautiful animals mm. and learning that they are spiritual beings and... Um, then staying on 12th Street, which was the rock and roll building in which Richard Hell lived and various writers and um, musicians and artists. So he was not really involved in the stimulators, but... I, I, ju- I heard him referred to yeah. a few times in y- your existence. Right. So. And, uh, and well, he's an important character. That's you know. part another part of the cross pollination of, yeah. of who was who was where when mm-hmm. is is we yeah, that we we're re- rehearsing in in the living room and Alan would pop in once in a while and he'd bring in so is he said I need to hear my my friend play the piano and he'd bring in this 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 young person or, or I can't remember several people came in at different times but they would just come in sit down at the piano and play some insane like barrel house boogie you know mm-hmm. modern jazz thing and mm-hmm. we're just in there plunking away and then we'd just be you know uh. completely embarrassed and horrified at our primitive music compared to this but and then there was there was one night when Alan w- was reading I forget whether the stiff little fingers guys were there or not but he was reading through their lyrics but in in his meter as poetry Oh, just, wow. just, just to try and, and see. So, what, what, what is this? This, it's a song. It's poetry. So, I'll, I'll take a whack at. But, but he was just going through it just for fun, mm. and then that was interesting. That was, yeah. yeah. So that was an interesting moment. But just uh, again, all those people would come to shows once in a while, or the, you know, the, the, there's still plenty of beats and writers and whatnot, and like Richard Hell upstairs. And there, there's one flyer from um, Paradise Garage. 
Mm. There was a show at the Paradise Garage, and I've s- it's been up on the, on the internet a couple times. I had a copy of it, disappeared, but it was I believe it was Teenage Jesus and the Jerks. Yeah, we played R- that. R- the R- Richard, R- Richard yeah. Hell and the mm-hmm. Contortions, mm-hmm. and the Stimulators, and and one or two other bands. But mm-hmm. at, but that's at the Paradise Garage, right? And so that was a show that you could have gone to see on like a Tuesday night in New York, you yeah. know, and whenever whenever it was. Yeah. yeah. And and that's you yeah, know. and that's a good point to remember because mm-hmm. simultaneously, uh, as the Stimulators who we're talking about today, obviously, I'm mm-hmm. just trying to make it all about us. But um, yes, no, it's okay. Um, that is why you're concurrently a bit i think a little bit after we started was the art rock movement which was the contortions teenagers and And we had no the no wave art rock Mm -hmm. these two were never came together Mm-hmm. Really, uh, in my experience, we play on the same bills. Once sometimes we play the bills, but it was two very distinct uh, movements going on. Um, we were more like, I, meaning all of the people we were involved with, like the rockers, and they were like kind of the anti-rockers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this so a it was more musical. They they were sort of anti-musical. Yeah, <laughs> right. So yeah, that sure. was an interesting thing going on at the time too. And Roar. Uh, Reach Out International Records, founded by the true visionary Neil Cooper, who had the, the smarts and the heart and the sensitivity and the money to document all of us local people and um, let us give him our little DIY recordings. And, you know, he collected them and started his label. So you've got some of the early punks, the early Beastie Boys, the early Bad Brains. You've also got, you know, the... Con- the contortions mm-hmm. and yeah, you can look up, look down that roster. And it's interesting. People. Yeah, there's like an eight-eyed spy cassette. Yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. it 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 really does encapsulate what was going on all around at the time mm-hmm. because there were a couple of different things going on. And um, you have a a release, <coughs> the Loud Fast Rules, full length. Right? Yes, we do. It's called Loud Fast Rules. That was recorded by our. Again, dearly beloved and gone from this world, Jerry Williams, who yeah. is such a legendary character of our scene. Jerry was this wild, um, crazy engineer, producer, recorder, hippie, freak, guitarist, guitarist mm-hmm. who got a big kind of loft on the Lower East Side, which became one of the main strongholds of our scene, 171A. Mm-hmm. He would throw, um, open the doors and just like let gigs happen there. And he also recorded people. He recorded us, he recorded the Bad Brains, all of our earliest stuff. He was the one who was behind the mixing board. He took us uh, to North Carolina to bring punk down south. He, he, w- he was from there, and the yeah. Cigarettes, they, they had formed uh, the, the band The Cigarettes mm-hmm. From, mm-hmm. from North Carolina, and they sang, sang songs about cancer and things like that. And, <laughs> and, so, and so it was uh, you know, slightly, slightly obtuse thing to be doing but they decided to come up to New York and they came up to New York and, and built this little empi- little empire uh, at 171 and yeah. did a lot of fine fine work and and you know they had a little record store downstairs for a little while before it moved became mm-hmm. before the rat cage moved over mm. and that was D- David and Kathy from Mouth of the Rat from Florida you know from the from the little fanzine which it, brought you know, music, you know, the current music down to Florida, told people what it was, and then little scenes started happening down there, and then they came up here, and all and of course people would come and visit, and mm-hmm. so around and around it goes. And Jack Rabbit, critical to the time, mm-hmm. who was a big 
fan and dear friend and his first little fanzine was called Loud Fast Rules and he would just print it at home and circulate mm-hmm. it to people going out to shows. Well, I, think, and I think it was Loud Fast News, loud, loud I fast think. News. Loud Fast like News, yeah. right, yeah. And then mm. later that turned into the big takeover. Right. And he's still going very strong with that and I commend him very highly. Oh, yeah, highly. Great job. yeah. If you, if you need a month's worth of subway reading in one magazine. <laughs> <laughs> right, the yellow pages it. of... Mm-hmm. He is dedicated. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, Nick, and and, and, and p- pure, inf- pure, fabulous information. Oh, yeah. It's not... It's yeah, not it's a cover-to-cover read, and usually mm-hmm. I don't even get cover-to-cover. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it's right. just it's too exhausting, mm-hmm. kind of. Um, Nick, were you ever in Even Worse? Yes. You were? Yes. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So that's Jack Rabbit's band, right. obviously. So mm-hmm. and, and, and Denise and is more or less responsible for throwing us in a room and saying, do it! You know, <laughs> and, 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 da- and Dave had a riff, and, and Jack, Dave and Jack had played drums before, and, and I was playing bass, sort of, if you could call it that. And then we ended up doing, you know, doing something. Mm-hmm. And then, s- s- as because there was, they, let's see, I forget, I forget how or why we ended up uh, ended up on playing at tier three. But Denise basically just said, "Well, we, you know, you're going to play. Come on, get together, make write some songs. You're going to do a couple songs before we play." And so we did. It's just, you know, it's such a spontaneous thing. I mean, you talk about the way New York was, and it just mm-hmm. sounds as if New York was smaller. And I mean, it technically, was. it was smaller in mm-hmm. some ways, but. But now it's like everybody's got a manager and a this, and we'll do. And, and there's a lot more talk than doing, or it right. seems like it. Well, and there's a lot less barriers in between. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, let's play a show. Okay, show up with mm-hmm. your stuff, and right, you know. And I don't know if that could really happen I, it now. Can, it, there's a lot of things it, then it, that it, could it not hap- happen now. Well, it happens in, in basements all across the country, right. all, all across the world every night. Right. You know, yeah. there, there's you not know, in big clubs. In, su- yeah. in some basement in Sioux City, there's there's 50 kids ricocheting off the walls as we speak. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. and and or or any or you know in Tokyo or you know in somewhere in Croatia. You know, it, but that's that. I mean, it will always happen, but it just depends. You know how and why and where, and hopefully yeah. it's po- hopefully it's positive. Yeah. And what happened in those days was it really did feel like a party. It was always a very fam- family type feeling. And to that mm-hmm. day, I mean, we Nick still calls it like part of the family. You know, um, yeah, the extended musical extended. family, as I mm-hmm. like to refer to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it just became like that. Well, and, t- and and you're related to Harley, yes, right. So mm-hmm. you got you got family in there. And how did he actually end up joining the band? He had like been coming to rehearsals. Mm-hmm. Um, he had been living in Europe, and then came back to New York. Um, brought him to a few rehearsals, and he was already had been drumming over there. Had him sit in a couple of times, you know, during the Stimulators rehearsals. And he learned very well and very quickly, like blind ambition. He was the one that gave the force and the power to loud, fast rules. He's the one that took it from being um, an exciting song to an over-the-moon song. That was Mm. his energy coming out and just like, now we, now it's right, you know. <laughs> yeah, put put an eleven year old but behind the drums to get a different, a little bit different energy. So we were supposed right. to, we were on sure. our way to Philadelphia, and Johnny Blitz was supposed to be drumming. No show. Wow. Couldn't reach him. And his house ringing the bell. Nope, no answer, no nothing. Mm. He said, Harley, guess what? You're gonna play the show tonight, and that's how it all started. Mm-hmm. That's just how it started. It's so funny when you say <laughs> no show and we were ringing the bell because now you go no show and you go, I right. checked his cell phone, right. I sent him an email. In those days, you had to run to the person's house mm-hmm. and start banging on the door. You know, mm-hmm. Help! Get up! Help! You know. Yeah, th- there was a buzzer. You didn't have to yell up. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So, uh, 
And th- were there any, um, because of Harley's age, were there anything? Was there anything that you, as a band, had to take on, um, like when you went on tour or anything like that? Just we always like things you would do for twelve. Very carefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, for anybody that young, everybody was very responsible and mm-hmm. of course didn't want anything bad to happen to him or anybody so we were all about the music I mean that's what we were about we had some wonderful opportunities we got to go to Ireland that, and that, that was one I, mean, I, did, I didn't get to go I wasn't, right, wasn't playing at the time but, right. but that was one of the issues is there was the, um, the government brought up an issue of yep. is this child being abused being right. dragged along and forced to play with these people right. and, and, and is it, what, what's the deal here because he's normally we don't see this and so right. it, a little flag went up mm-hmm. at, at, was it at cus- I forget where at customs or whatever but, yeah. but, they, but it all cleared up and everything was fine mm-hmm so no, he's he's a musician. He's a member of the group. Everything. Yeah, we and had to know. show them, you know. But uh, no, overall, there was like I said, he was very much the one people wanted to see. And aside from all of us, it was just, you know, he and was he very would kick special. over the drum set twice a night <laughs> <laughs> and so. put it back together. Mm-hmm. How long were you in Ireland for? We were there for a month. Oh we well. were there. We were brought over uh, with John Davis, who had done a punk rock film shell shock rock which documented Mm -hmm. the belfast northern ireland punk scene and his perspective was that because there's been such a war going on there for so long between the catholics and the protestants and the north and the south and the english and the irish and um the only thing that he was seeing pulling people together was punk rock you know gigs that's where everybody kind of just came together and enjoyed the music and came together as young people should. Mm -hmm. And he felt inspired to make that film. I had met him and he had gotten to see the stimulators. He goes, I got to bring you people over. So we were the first punk band American to go to Ireland and we found ourselves right smack in the middle of a war. We had no idea, you know, there was no internet, there was not, it's like, yeah, there's there's trouble there. It's not reality until you actually have machine guns pointed in your face and bricks thrown at you and the clubs had barbed wire, uh, what do you call that, chain link fence. I'm like, why why are all these places with chain link fence around them? Like, oh, so the bombs bounce off them. I'm like, oh, <laughs> ooh, wow. okay. It's a different kind of architecture. Yeah. <laughs> so you know. But but then then there would be there would be young, open-minded, alternately-minded kids who would be go who go see these shows. I don't know these shows in particular, but that's what his movie was about. There would be Catholic and Protestant yeah. kids in the same room. Yeah, yeah. That having was the a big good time, thing. That not was the big killing thing. each other, and that's that's not really known that much. No, because it isn't. Because I don't know if that really happened that often. But right. this is another play- time when music, you know, over- that was the question everybody yeah. asked us. The first thing, because we we were on the BBC, we, they did like a Beatles. Uh, recreation had us play on the roof of the BBC Loud Fairs Rules. I, oh, I, I wow. don't even know where it's that move the, clip the, is. The, but there, there is there is a copy of it somewhere, but it's on PAL, so we can't have, so. We, we can't watch it. Wow! But people but would come and it's say, an amazing clip. "Are you Catholic or Protestant?" That's the only thing kids wanted to know. No kidding. They didn't care. Yeah, no, I Catholic or Protestant. You know. Hmm. Luckily, those times have simmered down, but we saw uh, pretty intense things. 
Well, and that's that's amazing that you went there at that time oh, yeah. and just got to got to experience it. I mean, for good or for bad, but just to really see what's going on and those, yeah. those people. I mean, there was a whole real front line mm-hmm. to what their music, you know, yeah. what it music was meant to them. Very like, um, sure, they were writing very political songs. Here, it was still like, you know, let's fall in love, uh, right. go get high, whatever. Yeah. There, people were like fighting for their life and you know, questioning authority, truly questioning. Yeah, they didn't have sure. a lot of the luxuries and freedoms that we experienced. What so. amazing exposure. Yeah. Um, and I do want to mention that on the Roar uh, website, which is uh, roir.usa.com, there's a Loud Fast Rules shirt. Mm-hmm. This is true. And Nick designed it. And it's... Um, that's a reasonable facsimile of what used to be on the jacket. I was going right. to ask yeah. that. With, without, without all the, the that, that, that went on first, and then, then I started embellishing it with band names and things like that a little bit later. But mm-hmm. that's, that's sort of what was happening on the back of the so jacket. So all you punk rockers and anybody who loves loud, fast music, whether, you know, whatever you're playing, it's a good shirt to have. It's a statement piece. It works. And they also have the Loud Fast Rules uh, CD, LP, and MP3. I see there is no cassette, so Roar has <laughs> those days. They're, they're might change their tune. It's, it's no longer a cassette-only <laughs> release. Okay. They might have a few lying around the back. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They if might. you can find you, if you can find your bad brains, red, yellow, or green cassettes. Cassette, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or yeah. get all three if you can find them. Right. It's the same music. But what or, did they come out in that order? Red, yellow, and green. I don't know what order they came out, but they specifically oh. put them out in red, yellow, right, and green. Right. I did know that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so they they're still really you know um, representing you guys and uh, and it, and it's great that thank it, you that very that much yes. that they're still around. Who um, how did the first how did the loud fast rules single come out? Like what was the process of putting it out and, and it all was that? very interesting. <laughs> pa- paper and scissors and glue from what yes. I hear. Uh, again, with basically zilch money because mm-hmm. you know nobody had a job or anything. Not really. I mean, our manager, Donald Merck, he pretty much, I guess, funded it. God bless him. Um, It was a total DIY. We had no recording experience, didn't know what the heck we were doing. Went somewhere. Uh, I think the song ends with Harley going, do over. You know what I mean? It's like (laughs) we did like one or two versions of it right there. That's all we could afford. And then we got Xerox paper and glue and sat there folding covers and putting them in we had no distribution so mm-hmm. i think a few went to some local record stores um they did make their way here and there across america but what i'm told and what i have read is that it is probably the most rare of punk rock singles because they just are none right you know how we many were, were pressed were a thousand oh, but okay. i think a bunch of them were not good anyway because the labels were all like the artwork was all twisted <laughs> they'd probably be worth the fortune <laughs> now you know but right. no one's got them the unplayable it was the DIY mm-hmm. absolutely do it yourself we had to get it done it had to happen we made it happen and I carry that to this day you gotta do something you know against all odds which is written on that thing somewhere on that hmm. cover against all odds like here it is you mm-hmm. know you just gotta do it you do it don't wait for the money bags just just do it. Just step the, in and do yeah. it. There, w- there was one quote from, from a, an interview at some point, and I forget, can't remember what it was what it was in, but it was a lot of bands you know, will, will be beating down your door to try and get an interview or try and get you to pay attention, but 
But we, we prefer to be sitting in your living room when you come out of the shower. <laughs> you know, just, just, just waiting for you. Right, you know, right. It's just like, we're, we're, we're here. When, yeah. when you get around to it, then that's, mm-hmm. that's just fine. And you're not going anywhere. And, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and, and it is, I mean, it is such a legendary record. Yeah. You know. Blessed. It's, it's a good record, too. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. So um, what do you want to play next? We have to get, oh, and uh, Yeah. You know, I need to I need to read this that the National Weather Service has issued a flash flood warning for Bergen County, Passaic County in New York in New Jersey and Putnam and Rockland and Westchester in New York. So flash Careful flood warning. Out there. Flash flood warning. Oh boy. Slow down. Must, must do that. And uh, so um, let's get back to the playlist. Yeah. Where do you want to play? And Gen X. Oh, so uh, we'll go across the pond for a minute. Yeah. All right, we shall do that. And uh, my guests are uh, Denise Mercedes and Nick Martin of uh, the Stimulators, and uh, they're going to play some tunes for us. And let me see this button. Oh, I'm going to press this button now. And we'll be back. We are WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope in Rockland County at 91.9 FM and online at WFMU.org. I'm not even going to go for the background music since it has really been betraying me <laughs> for, for the entire show. Um, we are back with Denise and Nick, and uh, let's talk about that playlist there for a second. Okay. Well, it started with The Damned, and um, they certainly impacted my life in an incredible and fantastic way, and a lot of other people. Uh, Nick, the, what they, do you have to say? Well, they, were, they, they came over first sort of and they did a tour of the states and nobody knew who they were except for the 10 cool kids in every town mm-hmm. and they all came out to, to the, all 10 of them came out to the sh- see the shows I'm sure there was more I, I didn't see them I didn't they didn't make it to my neck of the woods but um but they made it to San Francisco 
and consequently we had the Avengers and, and things like that. But all the ten cool kids came to see him, and they all went home and formed, sat down, and learned how to play, mm-hmm. and and just just like the day like the day after, and they all formed bands after they saw these lunatics, and that turned them on. Oh, and, uh, it, it, and Denise spoke about, I didn't mean to cut you off, no. um, about the CB's experience. What happened to the pies? Oh, they threw them all over themselves, and I'm oh, well. sure into the audience, oh, okay. you know. Okay. Yeah. I just had that. <laughs> they didn't wind up in my face particularly, which I thought they would, but. Because uh. there's, there's a promo poster for that yeah. first record that I mm-hmm. still have mm-hmm. in, you know, in yeah, my Yeah, like bedroom. rats licking the head of Captain Sensible, and they were all covered with pot. Yeah, yeah and, it's, and it says, play it at your sister. Right. That's the, that's the, that's the poster. <laughs> you know, they, so. they, were, they were definitely. Um, they were starting. There were some silly boys. Yeah. 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 And yeah, still yeah, yeah. are. Oh yeah. yeah, well, you know, uh, uh, over a year ago, I had a gay advert on mm-hmm. on this program, oh, and, and so they did one of their um, their early tours with the adverts and the dam. Right. And she was just talking about, <laughs> you know, antics and and being on the bill, you know, like Chelsea, the Damned, and the adverts. And I'm just, mm-hmm. like, I'd go see that show. Yeah, I yeah. think I would too. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. And uh, such. A, have you listened to um, any of their recent material? No. Which the damn stuff, yeah. uh, here and there, bits and pieces. Yeah, and we I see, see them every every several years, whenever on one tour or, mm-hmm. or another. Yeah, and it's you know the, the keyboardy stuff, and and that that's fine, you know. But it it all works. Oh yeah, and then for the, sure. But then they'll still depending on on which lineup and who's playing what, they'll be harder or softer. But but they're always you know do their job. A very important band, yeah, mm-hmm. extremely mm-hmm. important. Even that when they came over for the, the uh, Machine Gun Etiquette tour. I went to see them at Haraz and didn't like them at all because they weren't playing any of the old songs because oh. I, because oh, I was young and stupid. Right, like I only <laughs> like their. Are you one of those record people? Like I no. only like the band's first record. No, not not at all. But 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 just you know first impressions or whatever. And and mm-hmm. this the sound was weird and you know, and but um, and of course they they played love song and then for, for some reason it went over my head. Mm. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't get it. They played all of sma- all the all of that record, and it just didn't seem to be. It just didn't do it for me. Mm. And uh, that's the part. I, I can't imagine artist, how though. or why, but yeah. <laughs> that just was, it wasn't. It's difficult for artists to not only have to only play the songs that people love. You know, right. it's like hard mm-hmm. to break in new material. Mm-hmm. No, really they is. played New Rose, and everybody went bananas. Yeah, well, you that's know, what I'm saying. People so. want to hear what they love. Mm-hmm. You know, Gen X, we picked um, just because they were so great. Mm-hmm. And there was such an innocence, as like looking on that video that you see. I mean, it's just the pure joy. Um, of course, that was a takeoff on the Who's My Generation. You know, mm-hmm. um, they did a great job, Billy Idol. And and, and the, the, the same the same thing with the with the, the a bunch of knucklehead misfit young kids for whatever the reason whether they all came, went to the same school or the same neighborhood or the the, the Bromley contingent were just these five or five or ten kids who like to dress up and have a good time and, and be a little bit and then you, you got know, Susie a, in the a band a little, little bit goofier and, and, and everybody in the yeah. Bromley contingent ended up in bands right. right and because they were just halfway creative and open minded mm-hmm. you know and did and didn't mind being that way and didn't manage to have it beaten out of them one way or another and at a very at one of those very early stimulators gigs at rock bottom um when we were just still trying to put together our material our show and still writing we had covered the song and who was in the audience but billy idol it was like his one of maybe his first time coming he wasn't performing but Mm -hmm. he just somebody brought him to the club and he came up to us afterwards and went like i can't believe you're doing my song thank you so much oh it's such a you know he was so excited that it was known here and that somebody you know was doing it 
So uh, and, and what was your reaction? Oh, like you're like I we almost just played your song. Oh my God, it's Billy Idol. He was yeah. the most beautiful human I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I mean, was just jaw dropping. You know, this this is like a god. He really was that, be- and he was just a nice, you know, sweet person. Mm. I mean, we didn't hang out a lot, but uh, it was a thrilling moment, I think, for all of us to have like someone like Billy Idol in this like dump in the village, you know, this basement. So. Well, and that's certainly serendipitous, and there, and and you create a connection right away. Yeah, he walks in right. to get a New York vibe, and somebody's playing song. his song. And it was very early. It was yeah. like really early on. So, yeah. but it's such a great song. Always loved this. It's my favorite Gen X song. Mm. You know, and then um, of course the Sex Pistols. I'll let Nick take that. Well, it's just that that middle guitar break riff is just brings me to tears practically. Mm. It's just evil. Yeah, but in a good way. Yeah, <laughs> but 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 it, it's but it's it's just a Chuck Berry song. It, it might as well be a Chuck Berry song, but mm. with a bunch of you know knucklehead kids from England who got thrown in a room and said, "Okay, here's your break, kids. Yeah, rehearse for 18 hours, get get this right, and maybe it'll work." Yeah, and they said, "Okay," and it worked. It certainly <laughs> did. It's one, you know, and I'm sure I'm sure that there's a lot of, just the sound on the on a lot of the English records as opposed to sound on a lot of the American records. They just there's, I think there's, I don't know what it is, but there's just a different, different theory or production or something, or the buildings are older and sound better, and the, and the, 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 or whatever it is. But some, some of those English records sound just a little bit beefier than a lot of the American stuff that, that came out here and there. But that's just, you know, one, one or two here and there. There's plenty of American yeah. stuff that sounds just as big and beefy. But and, and the Sex Pistols, of course, you know, created the revolution. Oh they yeah, were, they they changed oh, they yeah. changed helped change the world. Oh, you that know. that record is oh. a very serious record. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember just yeah. sort of taking it in and being like, "Whoa!" Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It affected everybody in not only rock and roll but in life. I mean, they were banned here, banned there. You know, um, it just the whole scene going on in I guess L.A. You know, the hair bands or whatever was going on there. This was just like such a kick in the behind. You know, to have the pistols come out with Sid Vicious covered in, like, scabs and blood and everybody's <laughs> ripped up clothes and, like, you know. Uh, it really did wake people up to a new reality. I think it was really important. Uh, definitely, it was really important, and, you know. And I think subconsciously all the people, you know, as far as them being banned and all this, and they're horrible and there's these awful people doing, most of the people, I think, realized that no, they're not. They're just, just a, they're, they're just they're just a, a, a silly band, and they happen to be r- really powerful. Yeah. And and but they're they're not out to destroy the world, you know. They, but it's yeah, they were singing about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although they're I just, definitely didn't know. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I you know, I, I'm if they had played here locally, I would have gone to see them. But mm-hmm. I probably would have mm-hmm. stayed in the back. Like I mm-hmm. definitely there was certainly a yeah, fear. In my experience, yeah. at least, mm-hmm. was like whoa. Yeah. But, but then also in that in that documentary that came out a couple of years ago, there's a couple of very nice shots of people like walking down the street in, in London at that time when it was happening. And it was just so bleak and depressed. And that, not to mention the garbage strike. And there's like oh, 25 yeah. foot piles of garbage in, oh. in, in, you know, in the middle of the street. Just like just imagine just living like that. Just and so yeah. you can see why they would play a little harder yeah and they revolutionized yeah. so much of fashion true with malcolm mclaren and vivian westwood but they definitely had their own spin on it i mean look punk at the met i mean that's going on <laughs> yes. now i yes. haven't seen it i might get up there I, my sister wants to go i probably will but um you know the impact that band had on popular culture mm-hmm. we're still feeling it 
today. There's yeah. still people running around with mm -hmm. mohawks and Susie and the Banshee eyes and, you know, torn up clothes. And, um, yeah, they were super important. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it was all just a confluence. You know, was like Malcolm wanted some, some pretty models. And he grabbed them, and it turns out they became the Sex Pistols and changed the world. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and right. so how and why? Oh. Uh, just a dumb luck. Dumb luck, exactly. Yeah. 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 And Lydon definitely seemed to be um, an incredible mouthpiece because nobody could contain him. He was absolutely going to do whatever he wanted and say what he wanted. Mm -hmm. And that definitely upset, <laughs> I'm mm -hmm. sure, <laughs> record companies yeah. and various uh, and he was also, business Fortunately, people. he was also very intelligent. Yes. So Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, you know, I do have a request. I'd like you guys to play some of your own oh. music. Well, how about a song about a murder, which yeah. Nick and I wrote. What was this, like, for the this, Save This, this was when, when, uh, when CBS was having all that trouble and b before they were eliminated from the face of the earth. So and so say more about that. Well, well I, I pers personally feel that... That was that was Haley's life, mm. and having it taken away from him killed him. Mm. And the person upstairs who took it away from him had been trying to take it away from him for a long time oh, wow. and finally succeeded in taking it away from him and consequently, in my personal point of view, killed mm. him. Mm. And that's why I've, we ended up with that title. Oh, wow. And we had not okay. written a song together in a very long time, but we got back together to do a reunion, couple of reunion shows with the Stimulators and just sat down and banged out a couple songs, and this is one that we recorded. Mm -hmm. And uh, who's singing? Nick. I oh. am, actually. Oh. Well, I don't know if you can call it singing. But <laughs> and we, have, we had the fabulous Joe Rizzo playing drums behind yes. us as well. Oh, very good. So I did, you know, I did want to at least, I mean, you guys are playing an amazing playlist, but I, mm -hmm. I did know that, okay. that you had this song and right. I, you know, um, I want to make sure that you, you air yourselves right. a little bit and just you. pat yourselves well, on the back. Well, it's the first time it's ever been heard, actually. So you're breaking it in, Diane. Okay. <laughs> awesome. And, um, you know, and, and thanks for, for that background, because that's really important, like the CB thing and the Hilly um, mm -hmm. You know, and I and I truly believe that because there was more to CBs than making money. CBs was oh, just the birthplace. That was yeah. that was the, so the much you know music pay, paying and paying if if you could making money was like paying the rent. Yeah, it wasn't like we're making you know stupid money and you all can just go take a hike. Right. And and then when the whole, when that whole thing happened, it'd been going on for years, but still it was just and and also there there's. For one reason or another, the lyrics, if you can, if you can hear some of the lyrics, there's just sort of talking about the, the time that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. You know, this, you know, set, what, set 78 to 80 or something like that, or whatever that little mis in between time period was. Right. And so, and or I'm not exactly sure what, who, what bookends you want to put on it, but there's a little bit about that in there also. Mm -hmm. Well, say the word now. Hmm? Which with the the the, 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 the the freaks, geeks, weirdos, and queers? We've been rocking this world for years. Line. Yep, that's my favorite. <laughs> which which is, which is applies true. all the way down all the way down the line. Yeah, and it will apply you know from here on out as well. Yeah, there's some some little poor little kid in the basement is just going to do something amazing. You know, right. Whether they're you know autistic or or whatever it happens to be, but they'll somehow manage to get it out. Yeah, I mean, people don't. Despite whatever is going on. And and now that CBs is gone, people sort of talk about CBs, but it was just, it, you know, 
you would just go there and you didn't know who was playing. Mm -hmm. You would just go. It was a, a gathering place. Right. And a lot mm -hmm. of times you didn't yeah. know who was playing, but it sure. wasn't like you wouldn't go there because there were no bands that you right. knew. Right. And, mm -hmm. um, well, and there was a uh, real well, encouragement. You know, mm -hmm. and and the, the, the same with Max's and several and tier three and all the different all of one seven one all the different clubs at at the time. Mm -hmm. People would just we're going out. Where are we going right. to go? Well, well, also it di it didn't hurt that all those clubs that I just mentioned with were within about a fifteen block radius. So you right. could you could hit them all in one night if you wanted to. Right, <laughs> right. Which, which is a little make things a little more convenient. It was a much more contained scene. But you mm -hmm. you just go. So oh, somebody said meet me here, and then if the bands weren't good that night, you'd go somewhere else or right. or Today not. It seems whatever. like it's all bars. Like there's a million bars there. There was a few clubs and everybody went to those clubs right and yeah sometimes you could get a drink sometimes you couldn't you know but um it was a much smaller world well social seemed more about the music yeah, and less about just sort of showing up somewhere and mm -hmm. watching a big screen tv together yeah and mm -hmm. wearing your 20 inch spike heels and you know all of that it was that was not happening yeah. you know oh, I, 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 I need to mention <laughs> a7 is on that list yes. too. oh yeah absolutely. leave us not forget a7 which yeah. was an another piece of another piece of the pie mm -hmm. uh, the, the same this the same but different. Yeah, you know all the all the misfits ended up there one way or another, here right. and there, and or hanging out in the park or back and forth. Or mm -hmm. the the one night when when DOA was playing at A7, and then they went over to 171 and did a set, and they came back to A7 and did a set. <laughs> you know, and, and everybody to the crowd just went with them. And, you know, and, and so it was, it was that was a nice night. Right. Imagine just being the person standing there on Avenue A, watching all these uh -huh. people go one place. Right. Oh yeah. Then going to another place. And well, like, that, those are the same right. people. Right. Well, well, well that well that would have been that would have been David at the, his little egg cream shop, and he's still right. there. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. you should go by there and support him and give him a big tip. Isn't isn't he going? I I had heard maybe I'm wrong. I had heard that 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 shop was not doing that well. Huh? Uh, pro probably not, but it never has. Yeah, and he's <laughs> right. he, he's yeah. he's just trying to pay the rent. But he's been there since Lord Lord knows when. Yeah, and the landlords were went after him last a couple years ago, but he managed to hold out. Okay. He, he put in he put in whatever the you know the the um the hood for the for the uh, for the for the the hot oh. dog fryer or something that oh, cost him like right. five the grand that they said yeah. you have to have the exhaust and so so he coughed he, he found the money somebody probably gave it to him right yeah and he did it and so consequently he's still there but you go there and get an egg cream oh, yeah, right. I, before I you go anywhere else yeah i did actually i think about two years ago was probably when i did hear about an issue so that's mm -hmm. probably what, what but but out. he managed but he's sold a bunch of t-shirts and mm -hmm. people saved him yeah which is nice that is nice. And that, you know, that's a sort of like the Kickstarter thing and all that mm -hmm. is, is a great new thing to embrace, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, so I do want to get to the music. Cause all we, right. we could, it's obvious that we could just talk oh. for a really long time. Sure. So, Whatever um, you want. So Song About a Murder, mm -hmm. The uh, Stimulators, they're my guests. Uh, uh, this was like 2005, 2006 we wrote this. All right. And away we go. Maybe. What's going on? <laughs> hang on, hang on. Let's see. We'll try that again. Uh -oh. No. No. If anybody finds Klaus Floride's bass out there, make sure you get it back and get it back to him. Please. What's going on with that? They were doing a tour of South America, and mm -hmm. the airlines lost Klaus's bass that he's had since 1978 and played every DK's show with, and yeah. two of Ray's guitars. They're oh gone. And if this, the drug dealers got the kids in the baggage handling to steal them, or if some Saudi prince, you know, mm. or whatever, but if anybody sees that DK bass, you know, wow. that, that blue sparkle, you know, bass, 
jazz bass with the ebony neck, I think, somewhere probably down in South America. It could be anywhere in the world by now. Mm. Get it back to Klaus, please. He well, would appreciate probably, that very somebody's much. Somebody's probably trying to sell it, and there's photos out there, so let's keep an eye. Think oh, about no it. question about it. It's quite recognizable. I think I have this track. Right. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Come on. I'm hoping. There we go. Okay. Hey. A song about a murder. This is a song about a murder. There's a place in New York City. Here they came here when they weren't too pretty. Folks who liked it loud Soon they became the world's in crowd We're all in a fight Stand up for what's right Everything will be okay If it ain't gets to stay Okay. 
crowd cheers and we're back with denise and nick for all those of you who were at the pier that night in north carolina a very long time ago that was the stimulators live that was the uh recording that jerry williams did i think on a dat machine that roar reach out international records put out our loud fast rules album and it is still available yes right so and and i do have the link up on uh on part of the playlist here, it is uh, roar dot uh, roar-usa.com. R-O-I-R. And right. that, those crazy kids have pressed it on 12-inch vinyl as well. They I don't know have. what's the matter with them. They have. Well, you know, nothing so. nothing stops them. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. That's what. Animals. <laughs> and, uh, so the, and that song, right? Machine. Pretty early uh, sort of foreshadowing to hardcore. Thrash hardcore, Super. absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think we wrote it in like '78, going into '79. Again, it was Harley who made it come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Um, other drummers just didn't have that, you know, banging, rabid, just you know, exploding, thundering drumming that he did. But um, yes, I, I do feel confident in saying it was one of the very earliest of the thrash ideas type songs to come out, at least on the East Coast. I don't know what the heck was going on in California, but, you know, I did know the New York scene. And it's a song about alienation. Um, I'm not, you know, M-A-C-H-I-N-E, is that all that's left for me? It's like, where are we today in the world? Like, instead of being able to live in, you know, a more balanced way with nature and society it's like go on pushing buttons turning knobs is that all i'm here for was i born to only Mm. go to your office and play with your buttons you know so (laughs) 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 that's we felt very passionate about those Mm -hmm. lyrics and i think a lot of people related to that i'm sure the listeners who are at work right now yeah you're (laughs) pushing someone's buttons you know (laughs) is is take this job and shove it on the playlist anywhere <laughs> so that was interesting. And then, of course, we had um, the Mad and the Bad Brains. And again, we were, the three of us, um, very inseparable in our day. Let Nick take Just this. Ev- all ended up in the same place at the same time, visiting everybody else's apartments, going to each other's shows. And mm. that was one, one other thing about the, the jacket. So you can return it if you want. 
if um, those were the first three band names that were on the back of the jacket. Oh. That, that was, those were the first three that went on because that was the, the family. That yeah. was you know, the, the close, immediate family that I ran into when I came back, came back out here on mm-hmm. one, one of the trips. And mm-hmm. David Hahn from the um, Mad the was drummer the drummer, the also then was managing the Bad Brains in their very early days. Mm-hmm. And he was only a kid. But he was a smart kid. <laughs> one, one of those, one of those native, <laughs> insane native New Yorker kids mm-hmm. who just had that sort of thing. Yeah. For, for better and worse, but no, he, was, he was a sweetheart. And, of course, the impact of the Bad Brains uh, still to this day is ongoing and will be for a very mm-hmm. long time. Like I said, they came out, they just went off like an A-bomb. People's jaws were dropping. And as they perfected... The Bad Brains, it just got more and more intense. I will say, hands down, the greatest rock I've ever seen done was the Bad Brains in their heyday, CBs, all of those gigs. It, it just, HR, like, just sweating and dripping and somersaulting and muscular and just everybody moving at one, like one heartbeat, just the entire room, people not only bouncing off the walls, but uh, it, it was really a moment to be lived. I've never seen a greater ever show in my life, and I've seen most of the really important people in rock. Mm-hmm. Never, not one of them could come close to the bad brains in their heyday. You know, not one of them. And that and that that particular one is is off the the, the Roar cassette, which Jerry Williams produced, and in one Ace in Ace one seventy one A, and they had their gear set up on the stage, and we had our gear set up on the floor, and so, and we'd record during the day or whoever <laughs> schedule happened. We were both recording at the same time in 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 the same room, oh, and wow. that's a four track, and that's why Jerry Williams is one of the greatest people in the world. Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, there you don't a lot of uh, four track and even eight track recordings sound like they're lacking something, mm-hmm. and that does not, not that no. one. No, <laughs> not at all. It is. I mean, it really it's so explosive, and and they're another band that a lot of people point to as just being so. The, there was I was, I was at a, a a garden party in San Francisco years ago, with with the uh, the punk rock and intelligentsia from all all the different. You know, it was up, up up on the hate, and it was just all the people been there, new kids, older kids, or whatever. And and my my friend Chris Cheruki, nice local local boy, done good, now out in California, working his ass off for the uh, for the big guys. Actually, he's in China right now, working his ass off for the big guys. Ah. But um, but he but he had decided he'd taken it upon himself to decide that the music for the day was going to be the Bad Brains Orchestra set and nothing else. Uh-huh. Ah. And so we listened to that about seven times back to back. And it was just fine. It was you didn't need anything more, anything less. There's the high points. There's the low points. You know, there's it. It wasn't. Nobody felt the need to listen to anything else for like yeah. three hours. Well, there is something <laughs> about re- like genuine music from the heart mm-hmm. that doesn't have you go, "Oh, I'm bored of this," right? Because mm-hmm. it's just so authentic. Well, they were they truly lived their music. They completely lived it. Um, well, they did. There's one story about them playing some outdoors somewhere at some party or street fair or something, and the people started throwing rocks at them because they were playing weird music that they didn't appreciate. Mm. And then they uh, they stopped throwing rocks and started dancing <laughs> after a while. So that's 
Yeah, can't the, ask much more than that. I don't think the Bad Brains are a kind of band that would sort of like give up and say like, oh, well, we'll leave. It's like, no, they had something to say and there was a mes- message mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? And, you know, for the help that we were able to give them due to our status at that time, they reciprocated. They took us to D.C. Mm-hmm. We stayed in their farmhouse and Nick has a funny story about <laughs> when oh, we were... It just at... at at one point, we, we just ended up in the living room, and they, they had all, a whole bunch of their Rasta friends from all, I'm not sure, from various parts of the world or just various parts of D.C. or America or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But, and and, we, and we, we were there, and they were all just waking up, and they were, they were very much into their own thing, and, and we just blew in from New York. And when I heard some, one of them mention at some point, I'm sure he was joking with his friends, but they said, oh, go to sleep in Herndon, wake up in Berlin. All of us in black, <laughs> you know, spiky hair. Mm-hmm. Just, a little, just a little bit different scene than when yeah. they'd gone to bed. Right, yeah. So you guys came but, in the But it was, the all, it was all very tongue-in-cheek, and we mm-hmm. all laughed. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, those were very important folks in that time period who had a very big impact on things to come down later. So and, and, and so much and more did come. Yeah. I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of bands, mm-hmm. you know, that you guys really kicked off and right. started the thought process for. Right. Even if people don't necessarily know, it's like mm-hmm. just the bands from that period of time. And it was a, a sort of a funny time, but that's really when well, that's when the, the Beastie Boys, they were our fans. Mm-hmm. They used yeah. to come to all of our shows I'm and sure goof around and Harley played with them and mm-hmm. Nick did. It's just, it was people hanging out, you know, jamming around, goofing around. It was a lot of goofing around in those days, a lot of goofing around. And that's why there's such a sense of humor to a lot of, you know, the stories we have because it was, it was fun. Well, and that's important to, to have available for, for, for kids, right? <laughs> yeah. To see that it is fun and to make yeah. people comfortable. It's just not like a business and I'm going to get good and I'm going to buy yeah. that outfit and like I'm going to have a CD out tomorrow, though I don't have... I'm, no, you know, you got to go through the steps. Yeah, yeah and ev- everybody was making up their own you outfits. Know? Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and things like that. That, w- that was half half the fun, it was just getting dressed up and being silly right. to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And also, that was one thing at some point it had crossed my mind that's, well... Part of the part of the reason I'm just wearing all this silly stuff, or or you know, depending how many straps you're going to clip on that day, to to your pants <laughs> and whatnot, right. and is just if I can give somebody, anybody, one more thought mm. that might dislodge something bad or kick off something good, if if they if they if they have to look twice or think twice, mm-hmm. that might help. Yeah, and just even that much, maybe well, I don't know. Well, yeah, <laughs> it, but you, you really, you point to something that's, it's like self-expression is mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. you know, and, and a band like the Stimulators really being a comfortable band to be around because of who was on stage and the mm-hmm. music not, you know, sort of just being street rock yeah. and different, mm-hmm. like we're doing something different, we've got all types of people playing mm-hmm. it, and like you can do and this too, right. and, and, and it, there's it, a it, comfort factor there. It's it's loud and powerful mm-hmm. and, and aggressive, but it's not frightening. Yeah, and it's not threatening, and, and it's not it's not going to hurt you. Well, and that's true, and there is a real difference there, but between like punk and hardcore. Definitely, you know, there was a there mm-hmm. was certainly. I mean, I used to, you know, in the old days, I used to when slamming started, it was really okay for a girl to slam. And then at one point, I was like, I can't get into the pit anymore, mm-hmm. and it wasn't safe, and I had no desire to have my nose broken. Right. But there was definitely, you know, and even there were some early hardcore bands that were, and everything was safe, and people sort of watched out for you. And then there was really, mm-hmm. you know, there well, was that's no safe. What separated punk from hardcore? Mm-hmm. Uh, punk had women, 
you had, well, in New York, as we were talking about before, all the women guitarists that were prominent were Ivy from the Cramps, mm -hmm. my colleague and friend. There was Julie from the Mad. There was a woman who was very talented who died very young, Allison East. There was myself. We were like the four rock ladies of the punk scene in New York. There were you could girls also play. singing, and we played, yeah, and people were comfortable. There was no fear of anything going to happen to you. And c consequently, in England, why we picked up you know songs we didn't even get to play it, like the Rosillos and X-Ray Specs, because they also had women mm -hmm. in the band, prominent, and it was about fun and good times. Yet still, it was making a statement, and um, hardcore just took off in a completely other direction. Well, they were making their own statements. Oh too. no, yeah, but I'm saying with the women yep. and and no, it was a it was a different thing, more fun, like lighthearted, I guess, or maybe that's not the word for the kind no, of light punk scene lighthearted we were is on. a good word. Mm -hmm. You know, people dressed up and um, you know, they didn't or, or not depending, <laughs> yeah. 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 Or, or 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 whatever you know they dug out of the closet. Oh, that hardcore day definitely has yeah. its own its own mm -hmm. world, its own lineage, its own incredible history. You yeah. know, it's it's very different than what the early punk was, though. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Well, and even early hardcore was very different from later hardcore oh, yeah. for mm -hmm. sure. You know, youth yeah. blimp. <laughs> so, <laughs> and um, you know, I just want to just recognize and and appreciate you guys for coming here. You Thank know, you for having me. So, so killer, though. And, and Hi, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> but, you you know, you did really provide a backbone and a direction for people. Mm -hmm. and and Because there's a lot that folks don't know. It's like, you know, the blondie television, talking heads era, mm -hmm. with a little bit of uh, the dead boys thrown in and the Ramones into, you know, yeah. straight into hardcore. And right. there was this very rich, creative extraordinary fascinating period that a lot of people just don't know about right we didn't have the internet there were no computers there were no tattoos in those days right the only person i knew how to tattoo was diana the witch that had an iguana on her arm and it shocked everybody <laughs> you know i mean it was a it was a much simpler time and you know not having the access of the computers and all of this you know that kind of got a little bit lost because some of these bands didn't have a lot and of two bands. money behind <laughs> them you know <laughs> two bands, so yeah. Anyway, thank you for having us. Oh, you're very welcome. And I want to just um, ask if you want to mention what you're doing now. Uh, Denise is now playing back again with the all-girl Motley Crue tribute, Girls, Girls, Girls. I was with them for three years, left for a while, played with other people. Uh, we're back out there ripping it up. I'm having a great time. I love playing the guitar. I'm a guitar player, mm -hmm. and that's what I love doing, and I'll do it until I can't do it, Motley Crue or anybody else. And Nick and I will be working on some new material to record. Oh, good. So that's my will you, story. Will you take the name Stimulators? Or I don't do you think, think so, because uh -huh. that ended. That already happened. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't bring it back. You can't go home again. You really can't. But um, that we'll come up with something. Say. It's true. Cool. Nick, what are you up mm -hmm. to? What am I up to? I'm, I'm driving you all to Philly tomorrow. Yes, Nick's been our tour manager <laughs> am, for the past, my past six so years. Nick's been working with me. Very nice. So round and round it goes. And I've got this, there's, I've been on, on and off with the Suicide King for a long time. We mm -hmm. still play once in a while. Okay. And we haven't forgotten. I haven't forgotten how to do it, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> and there's uh, and there's there's a new band that we don't have a name for, but we have half a set, and we'll be playing some shows at some point. Oh, Un great. Unfortunately, it might be called Bronco Muerte. We don't have the, 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 the name settled yet. Mm -hmm. 
But uh, and a few other things here and there. I'm trying to remember how to play. I played with Jesse at the Joey Ramon bash the other night. Oh, nice. Because he just he just said, "Bass player is out of town. Can you do it?" And I said, "I'll try." He and said, yes, and it, I it, can. It, it, it's it's it seemed to work. I only I didn't screw up too bad. <laughs> but just continue on. I haven't forgotten how to do it, unfortunately. And um, and until something you know changes that. Death. We'll prob- probably keep doing it. <laughs> well, death. I'm, I'm, I'm so, well, de- death or deaf, or one of one of the two. Even even deaf probably won't. I was going to say, yeah. Some mm-hmm. people pull the tinnitus thing and then say, I can't perform anymore. But a lot of people are like, yeah, we all have go, tinnitus. Go get acupuncture. Mm-hmm. Work for me. It'll right. work for mm-hmm. you. You know. Well, well a- and you guys are two really great personalities. Oh, you have so you. many great stories to 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 tell and. Um, and, and played such a huge part in the New York scene. And just me being from this area and and growing up loving, you know, the bands that I did, I know that they, they all point to, you know, to you guys. Wow. So and a blessing. And, and, Lucky and, us. And there's, yeah, there's you know, and there's <laughs> right many people the right out time. there who should be saying thank you. So I get to say thank you, oh, you know, to, to you guys. But, uh, and, and also, Denise and Nick did a really great job of, like, picking out music and and uh, I do have some guests on who kind of who I'm really flying by the seat of my pants and you guys are completely like buttoned <laughs> up and together and like oh here's this link here's that here's that here's mm-hmm. that and uh, and it's great to be able to support somebody who's been such a support and and like a birthing of the New York scene you know so um and the the loud fast rules uh CD, LP, and um, and T-shirt for that matter. Yeah. T-shirt, the yes. nerve. We're the not nerve shilling. Of these we're not shilling. It just all happened to come out. And, I'm, you know. I can do the shilling, and okay. nobody <laughs> says anything. You know, um, but it is. It's um, on the Roar website. It's R O I R dash USA. And and please, you know, let me know if there's anything coming up. And go yeah. check Denise out in Girls, Girls, Girls. I mean, that's got. You will be a have great an amazing time. time. It's true. Yeah. We are like the most awesome woman tribute it's beyond uh, it's taking motley crew the way you've never seen or heard it done before because it's got my punk stuff going on in it you know (laughs) so (laughs) and uh so what do you want to play going out could we I do the the, the Rosillos and then maybe the Nasty Facts if there's time? Well, I thought I think that I so I need to request though that we do play um, Loud Fast oh, Rules. Most certainly, well, everybody's heard that Ooh. song. I don't, I don't, I, you know. There's actually a request. One okay. of the one of the listeners has requested it. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, this and mind you, this this is this is the 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 CD, the record, the not the 45 version. Right. This is the version that you're on. Yes. yes. That's why we're gonna play yes. it. And uh, so we'll go out with uh, as much as we can fit in. We've got okay. 10 minutes here before right. the end of the show. Well, and thank you time. all for listening. And um, great being here. Thank you. I hope you can put your offices back together in one piece right. before, <laughs> before you have to go back to work. Batten down the hatches. All right. Stay tuned. And thanks, you guys. Thank you. Thank Loud, you. fast rules. Don't ever forget it.
And that wraps it up for today's podcast. Thank you to Lita Martinez for editing the podcast and to Liz Berg for all the other background work. We are WFMU.